morning, good afternoon, good evening. My name is Marty Plum, and I am your host of a pen and a napkin podcast, a weekly coaching clinic you can carry around with you in your pocket. Welcome back to the coaching staff, episode number 73. Uh, we are back. We, we, we had to, we were kind of forced to take a week off. We, we just couldn't find the right times and dates, and we just couldn't th- get things to line up last week. So we apologize for last week's misgiving, but at the same time, we, we don't. Uh, Tony got to see his uh, beloved San Francisco 49ers qualify for the Super Bowl. you got to be feeling good about that, buddy. I am feeling good about that. Ready for next Sunday as they take on the Kansas City Chiefs, I think. I'll have a good portion of America root for the 49ers. Those that are, you know, the anti-Taylor Swift ones, I think, have swung over to the Niners. So uh, hopefully the Niners can get a little bit of retribution. I think it was four years ago where the Chiefs got them in the mm-hmm. Super Bowl. So hopefully we need a little payback. Taylor Swift has a Kansas City Chief connection. Yeah, do knew. Yeah. I, I knock me over with a feather on that. I didn't know. I mean, can you can you go into further depth because I'm not I'm not really sure. Um, I think she she isn't overly famous and so she started dating Travis Kelsey oh. who plays tight end for the Chiefs and I think he's made her even more famous. Uh, uh so so that was that was a good move on her part. Uh, good move by her PR team. Yeah. Yeah, that's uh that's that's solid stuff. At, at least she'll now be finally uh you know she'll be financially stable, uh, which is yes. which is which is good for her. So, uh, episode seventy three. We're we're idiots. Uh, <laughs> episode seventy three. Uh, we're going to talk about prepping for the stretch run here. But before we do that, I have one uniform number for you, Tony. Um, offensive lineman. Oof. Yeah, I got one seventy three. Joe Klecko for the Jets. <laughs> Joe. I didn't even think about it. You remember him? Oh, I remember. He was part of the New York Sack Exchange, wasn't he? Yeah, the Sack Exchange. And Mark Gastineau. Yeah. Marty Lyons, maybe. Um, Joe Klecko. He was 70, well, he's 72 on Wikipedia. Uh, Talk on Wikipedia. (laughs) Oh, I guess he was 73. Okay. Oh, my bad. I should have added him. No, he's, I mean, he's he's decent, but I don't know if he's Hall of Fame material. Yeah, you know, he had twenty four sacks, nine fumble recoveries. That's uh, not bad. Yeah, that's that's a, that's a solid deal there. So, um, yeah, offensive lineman, same division though, same division as the New York Jets. I'll give you that. Huh? About the so same the time Jets, Joe Klecko we played. The Patriots. Uh, we've got Buffalo. And the Bill, or the Buffalo is the Bills. Um, shoot, oh the Dolphins, seventy three. They had some good linemen with Miami. Um, trying to think, who uh, Dwight Stevenson? Maybe nope. We've already mentioned him. Okay, is it, is it a Miami lineman or no? Nope. Okay. Uh, New England. New England. Mm-hmm. New England lineman. Whew. Um, John Hanna. There it is. Well done, Alabama Mr. Alabama guy, wasn't he? Huh? Was he an Alabama guy? I think he played college at Alabama. But I, I think be, he did. I could be wrong. Yes, University of Alabama. Yeah. Yeah, I got to keep my eye on my former Crimson Tide guys. Yeah, well done. Well done, my friend. That's solid. Fourth overall pick in the 1973 NFL Draft. Uh, sure. Named by Sports Illustrated in 1981 as the best offensive lineman of all time. So, yeah, pretty solid. That's impressive. Yeah, very good. Very good. So, well done, Tony. Um, So, uh, 
uniform number 73. Uh, we're it's, it's time to start talking about prepping for the stretch run here. Tony, we're uh, headed into our last week of the regular season. District play is around the corner here. We've been kind of slowly but surely doing this this last week or so. Uh, and, uh, you know... Your, your varsity is going to be in that same situation here in, in a couple of weeks where they're getting ready for postseason play. Um, so uh, I've got about seven or eight bullet points that I'm uh, that I've got written down on prepping for the for the stretch run here. Uh, but I will turn the floor over to you first, my friend. What what's kind of your first bullet point on prepping for the stretch run? You know, uh, there's I have a handful of as well. Uh, the one that kind of jumps to the top right now is. You know, you've, you're out there on film, right? Everybody's got huddle or something similar to huddle. Mm-hmm. And one of the things I think you do about this time of the year, and I don't know, you know, exactly when to implement, but you've definitely been practicing some of the counters to your favorite sets. Mm-hmm. That way, uh, you know, as the team thinks that you're getting ready to do Spain or you're getting ready to do blind pig or whatever, you have a counter to that so that you can take advantage of teams that you know have put a lot of time in on that scout so that you have something you can go to to be able to uh counter what they're trying to take away from you mm-hmm. no i like that tony I, I think that's good we uh we talked about where we, we put in last week we had we had three practices uh first time we'd had three consecutive practices i think since we started playing games uh hey. yeah i mean so we we haven't had much of a chance to to practice, uh, you know, the way that you would like to, it'd be nice to have. And, and a couple of those, we did have some stretches in there, but then snow and, and weather hit, uh, which cut out on our practice time as well. So, uh, but I, I like that. We put in a new out of bounds play. We put in a, a very, very simple quick hitter against zone, um, which, uh, I, I really like, I think will help us. Um, so I, I really like that. I, I, you know, a little bit more on film. I think now, uh, instead of running through as many sets as you would in practice, like you're defending, you know, we're playing Kennedy and they're going to run Fortnite and Blind Pig and, you know, Cucumber or whatever. Um, mm-hmm. uh, three things that are not related in any way, shape, or form. But, <laughs> but uh, uh, you know, instead of walking through them as much, I think now you rely a little bit more on film and having your kids see it on film and, and having maybe a little bit longer film sessions this time of year to compensate for, in, instead of going through it for, for 15 minutes of your shell drill, maybe we only go through it for seven or eight minutes and we watch a few extra clips on film because uh, that also, uh, for me, one of the biggest things that I want to save, especially with the way that we play, is our legs, our 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 uh, physical, uh, the the way we're taxing our kids. Uh, we want to. Uh, we're still going to go, you know, contact, uh, and we're still going to do our shell drills. We're still going to do our scrimmages. We're still going to get up and down, uh, but we want to instead of doing free throw transition for fifteen minutes, like I said, we're going to do it for eight to ten minutes, um, and you know, keeping those legs underneath you. Uh, is is really really important at this time of year. I, I really look at my team this year. Uh, we're so young for a lot of our kids. It's the first time that they've been asked to play this much for this long. You know, coming into practice every day, competing at this high level. So we want to make sure that we're as as rested as we possibly can be. And so that's a that's a big thing that we're we're thinking about. 
Yeah, I remember reading uh, John Wooden's stuff uh, as a young coach. And one of the things that Coach Wooden did uh, is he would lessen practice by 15 minutes each month to keep their legs fresh. And I was like, you know, he was fairly successful. And so that's just something we've done. November, December, we go two hours. Once we get to January, it's an hour 45. And then as we get into February, uh, hour and a half at the most. Some nights will be an hour 15, depending upon what we're trying to do. But I, I agree. We don't, you know, we just, we still get after it. It's still intense. It's just not for as long. I have a quick, I have a follow-up with that, Tony. You said you were reading John Wooden stuff. Mm-hmm. Yeah, do you think John Wooden ever read any of your stuff? No, no. Okay. Just thought I'd follow up with that. I appreciate that. <laughs> What else? <laughs> Again, we're morons. Uh, what else? What else do you got, buddy? You know, one of the things that we oftentimes preach as coaches is that you know missing layups and missing free throws will get you beat. Mm-hmm. And so, because you know we're not hammering things, and you know as as for as long a length of time is that we are shooting more than what we normally do, both layups and free throws. Uh, we started practice off. I have a drill called six spot layups. We put two minutes up on the clock. Uh, they're approximately going to get 40 layup attempts in that time as a team. And we'll put a goal of 38 out of 40. Uh, the other day we did it. We got 40 out of 40 first time all year. We have a drill we call Xavier free throws. Uh, if you make it, you give your team one. If you miss it, you give the other team two. Uh, we start both teams off at 70, first team to 90 wins. And so just putting them, in, putting them in those positions, there's other layup and free throw things that we'll do on top of that. But that just makes it competitive. And so we do that quite a bit because they're going to run into situations, you know, in the postseason, uh, at the end of the regular season, hopefully you're playing for a conference championship and that type of thing. You're going to have to make those shots. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I we have uh, really in, in my second go around here, uh, we have shot a lot more in practice than we did uh, the first time. You know, um, and I, I think that's been good. You know, all things considered, uh, mm-hmm. but I think one of the things that I'm also really cognizant of is while they're shooting we try to keep it really, really positive. Obviously, they're going to miss. So we say, hey, you know, Anna, hey, that's a great miss. You, you missed it the way we want you to miss. Next one's going down. Or, or you, know, you know, things like that. And, and we try to, uh, when we're doing shooting drills, a lot of times I'm just in the middle and I'm just kind of, you know, got my head on a swivel, uh, which is the way I survived growing up in Sheldon, Iowa, keeping my head on a swivel. And <laughs> inner city Sheldon I was a tough place. <laughs> uh, you can tell we took a week off. We're trying to get every. We're trying to get all the stupidity in as as quickly as we can. So, but uh, uh, you you know what happened in Sheldon Iowa when the when the lights turned on when the street lights turned on Tony. Uh, a lot of a lot of outside basketball. No, nothing really happened. It's it's okay. yeah. So, but uh, uh, you know it, it's it's just hey. You know, great shot, Jovi. Hey, keep shooting that that way, Ray. Um, Mainly great finish there, you know, or and, and things like that. And it's just, you know, constantly hearing that positive. Uh, and, and I don't know if it, it necessarily works or not, but just, uh, you know, just keeping that really positive and, and, hey, I really like the way we're shooting it right now. I like the way that drill came out there. Uh, that was really good. Uh, our goal was 120. You know, let's say it was we're doing five-minute shooting and our goal is 120 points. And uh, we got we got one thirty four, 
hey, that's a great job. We're shooting it really well. Keep it up. Keep it up. You know, uh, those type of things. And so not only do we want to get that shooting in, but we want to put our players in as positive of a mindset as we possibly can. And, and I think uh, even more so at this time of the year, I'm, I'm you know, really cognizant of trying to keep the, the kids, uh, especially with that ball coming out of their hands, in as positive of a mindset as it can be. Because now, of course, you want to be playing as, as, as best as you can. Yeah, you want to be playing uh, loose and free, um, mm-hmm. you know. And, and I think the thing that you're talking about is reminding them good things. You know, we we had struggled to shoot the ball a little bit this year, but we've had uh, this last week. We had double figure makes and threes. I think all three games for the week, um, you know. And then you take a look. You were mentioning some of your shooting drills. We have a six minute three point shooting drill. We won 125 makes. In, in six minutes, and we had 137 one of the days last week, which was our season high. And I think you just keep reminding them of those things. Yeah. You know, hey, just, you know, we're, we're starting to click at the right time. Because like you said, this is the time of the year where you want to be playing your best. Yep, yep. Coaches, you know just as well as I do that we're always looking for new and different ways to motivate our players and programs. But sometimes it's hard to find that perfect source that we're looking for. Over the past 25 years, I've collected hundreds of handouts to help motivate my players and programs, and now I'd like to share some of my favorites with you. The A Pen and a Napkin 101 Best Handouts Booklet is now available to you for only $15. In this booklet, you'll find motivational material for all types of situations and individuals to help you communicate your values to your players and program. For ordering information, you can either DM me on Twitter or email me at a pen and a napkin at gmail.com for details. Uh, what else you got, Tony? You know, another thing that we like to do is we hold on to some things as we get into the postseason. I know you kind of mentioned a little bit earlier that you had not a balance play that you just put in, a new one. Um, you had a new zone quick hitter. Uh, we might save a defense at, you know, at that time of the year uh, that just one that we haven't shown in film all year. And it might be the regional final or the first game of the state tournament or whatever the case may be. You break it out at the right time, but you've been practicing that. You know, when you're practicing, all of a sudden the game, you break it out there and you can see the opponent. Wait a second. Mm-hmm. We, we haven't seen that before. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I think you save some of those things, you know, whether it's a defense and out of bounds play, a quick hitter or whatever the case may be. Not just counters, but something that you haven't shown out there that's completely different from tendencies that you've been putting out there on film all year. Mm-hmm. I like that. I like that. Uh, we, we talked about, yeah, short, efficient practices. Um and like I said, some some people kind of you know they they really pull back on the contact uh, contact part of it. Uh, we still want to have uh, some contact. I, I still believe that we still got to have that feel. You know, uh, again, okay. not a ton of it, but we we, we still got to have that. Uh, but while you're practicing, uh, don't get so locked in on game plans that you forget about fundamentals. Um, you know, one of the first things we're you know, tomorrow we're opening it up with, I've got my practice plan in front of me here for tomorrow. And uh, we've got eight minutes of shooting. Uh, we're going to work on rebounding. Uh, we're working on our, our, our uh, some sets and some screening and, and things like that. Um, you know, the other day we did uh, a lot of station work with ball. You know, I let my assistants run some stations with some finishing and ball handling and stuff like that. So uh, don't get so caught up in, you know, hey, we've got Kennedy and they play, uh, 
you know, they run a two-two-one, and we're going to spend a half hour just doing the two-two-one, and then we're going to talk about our shell drill and what we need to do there for another. And if you're only going seventy-five minutes, and fifty, fifty-five minutes of it, minutes of it is focused on Kennedy, uh, that's to me that is to a degree kind of counterproductive because ultimately it comes down to Kennedy's going to do what Kennedy's going to do, and your scout team isn't going to be able to do in a day or two what Kennedy's been doing for three months. You know, I understand you still got to go through those things. I'm not saying don't go through them, but sometimes we lose track. We get so worried about the opponent that we forget about our own team and making sure that our own team is still improving as the season goes along. And you want to make sure that those fundamentals are in there every single day in practice instead of becoming so obsessed with your opponents and the scouts and, and what, you know, those type of things. You know, we mentioned Wooden earlier. Uh, did you know that Wooden never scouted? Uh, he made sure that his focus was on UCLA and that the opponent had to react to him, not the other way around. Now, mm-hmm. I'm not going to go that far and, and not talk yeah. about what the other team does with my team, but I, I definitely see the point what you're saying. I mean, you've got to do what you do. Mm-hmm. Now, is it important to know a handful of their sets and what their wrinkles are and what they do defensively and so on and so forth? Most definitely. Mm-hmm. But you still have to stay sharp fundamentally and you have to be able to execute your stuff and if you can't do that it doesn't matter how well you know what they do you got to be able to do what you do on top of that Mm -hmm. and put the ball in the hole and stop them from putting the ball in the hole and hopefully uh you know you you come out on the right end of things yep yep what else you got tony you know another one i think that's very important this time of the year is to make sure you're still having fun yeah you know you get to this this point in the year you've practiced you know dozens of times you've played you know 15 games or more um it's a situation where you still want to have fun and so one of the things that we do at the end uh here the past little bit is we have been trying to do something different i know you're a snow valley guy uh we've done cutthroat a couple times we do 30 and a half uh we'll do some three-point knockout we'll do a full court 21 game that i can explain it another time it's not important right now but my point is we're still doing stuff at the end so you put a smile on their face you know that they they still want to be there uh, hopefully and they're enjoying it and they're having fun and they're getting better because if you have a team that likes each other you've got good culture and different things like that it means the world this time of the year because you've been around each other i mean you know we we talked about a lot this summer we we go a lot we go hard in the summer we go 20 some 30 some days in the summer with workouts and leagues and stuff like that team camps and then you take a little bit of time off and you start open gyms back up and guess what Pretty soon you're in the season. And so you've been together for a while. And so if you still like each other, you know, middle of February, uh, that goes a long ways in terms of postseason success because you still want to play not necessarily with each other, but for each other. And there's a big difference there. Yeah. Um, yeah. I, the, one of the things I had down, Tony, was team bonding. Uh, you know, make sure your team is as tight as it can be. Uh, no team is ever going to be perfect per se. Uh, it's 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 going to be hard to find a team that doesn't have a few clicks here and there. Uh, but you want to have everybody that if if Tony had to sit by Marty on the bus, they would be okay with that. Um, you know, so I, I I think those team bonding things, you know, team meals are are good. Uh, you know, just making sure, like you said, Tony, playing play, having fun. Uh, we we talk almost every day about playing with joy, uh, having that internal joy. Why are we here? 
Uh, not every day is going to be fun, but we want to make sure that it is a fun experience. And so uh, we, we had the, the, the girls uh, organized uh, some team meals, uh, a team meal last week. They all went out to a uh, restaurant in a neighboring town, and they had a good time. And, and uh, you know, we had the program cover it. We just said, hey, you know, this is, I always tell the girls, uh, this is not my money. This is your money. I'm just holding on to it. And and so the, the program paid for them to go and, and have a nice meal together and just spend a couple hours together, but away from basketball. And, and I, I think that was uh, really, really good for them. I think it, it hopefully, instead of just being in the bus together or being in the gym together or being in the locker room together, I think they, they really enjoyed that process of that there too. So um, along with that, Tony, I, I've got uh, a couple of things kind of related to that. Uh, I want to give full credit to one of my old assistants, Sarah Goodwin, for this one. Uh, one of the things that we started doing while I was at Scut, and she did this while they were at while she was at Sioux City Healing, and then we brought it to Fort Calhoun with us, is what we call Senior Testimonial Day. Uh, when we and and we just did this last week. We usually do it with a week or two. Uh, you know, about two weeks, two to three weeks left to go in the season. And we give our seniors um, as much time as they would like to talk to their teammates about uh, their basketball experience, what the program has meant to them, um, what, uh, you know, what they're thinking as their career is winding down. Um, the coaches are not in the room. We We completely step out and we let them uh, have the, the floor. It's, it's their time to talk to their teammates. And, and, you know, more often than not, Tony, it gets pretty emotional. Uh, you know, definitely more often than not, uh, there's some tears shed, uh, which is a good thing because, you, you know, you'd like to think that you're building an experience where they're having fun, where they, they are finding joy and, uh, they're going to miss it. You know, that's, that's what you hope anyway. And, uh, you know, it, it seems to be a, a really good way to bring our kids together in, in a really positive manner uh, that, okay, uh, this is the perspective and, and maybe I'm tired and maybe I'm worn out, uh, but, you know, Billy or Mary, they've just got a couple, two or three weeks left here. I got to suck it up and I got to play hard for them because I really care about them as a teammate, as a person, and I want them to finish on a high note as much as possible. And so uh, it, it's a really, really powerful thing that that, that we do there um, that I that I really like uh, because, like I said, it, it, it also puts some of the leadership on to the players, uh, where they have to talk, they have to be clear and coherent and get their message across to their teammates, you know, how much the end of this season really means to them. Yeah. And I think that's an important thing for the younger ones, uh, the underclassmen to hear how much it means to the upperclassmen. Like you said, you know, you get to this time of the year, I know I'm tired right now and I'm not yeah. the one expending all the energy and burning the calories like what they are. Yeah. And so it's good to get that perspective and say, Hey, you know, Hey, Sally or, or Jimmy or whoever, they want to keep playing. I know I'm a little bit tired here, but I need to suck it up and do the best that I can and, you know, uh, make sure I'm getting the proper rest and eating well and focused on, on, you know, the walkthrough and the scout and stuff like that. So I can put my best foot forward so that we can, you know, ride this thing as long as we can. Mm-hmm. 
I got two more bullet points, Tony. What do you got? I got one more. Okay. Um, one of the things that we do as we get to this time of the year is we we do a lot of special situations. You know, we will practice a missed free throw. If we need a three, we have a play that we have that we that we execute on almost a daily basis to get us a three. Last second play is one that we run six seconds or less. We have another one we call home run. One to two seconds left in the game. This is what we're doing. And so these are things that we are running on a daily basis right now because as you get to this time of the year, you know, I tell our guys, you know, it's one of those things where as we get to this point in the season, it doesn't necessarily mean that these are things that are going to win us the game, but we want to make sure if we are in that situation, we're in that position that we can execute and give ourselves a chance. That's mm-hmm. all that you ask for in those, in those situations. Yeah. I like that. Um, well, we need to do more of that. We, we haven't had a chance to, to do that as much as I would like. So I like that, Tony. What's, we're going to do some of that this coming Saturday here uh, as, as we prepare here. Um, I think kind of building on that, Tony, I think uh, you really talk to your team. Here's the, here's the one or two things that we're really going to hang our hat on. We're going to win our district because we're going to do this and this better than everybody else in our district. Uh, this, this is the one or two things that we, you know, girls or guys, if we do this or this better, uh, I really think that we're going to be a hard team to beat in the postseason. We've, uh, you know, and you give them, uh, controllable keys to their success. If that makes sense. You know Mm -hmm. what, you know, we can't control if Cedar Rapids Kennedy has a six, eight post player. Uh, there's nothing we can do about that. But, hey, we're going to work on boxing out. We're going to work on driving people out. And if we rebound the ball well, if we if we rebound it well and we execute on offense, if we rebound on defense and execute on offense, boy, I tell you what, fellas, we're going to be really, really hard to beat. And, and you just can continue to deliver that message, deliver that message, deliver that message. And, and hopefully your players uh, really start believing in that. And then when that situation does come about and you're successful with it, boy, you really hype it up. You really celebrate those successes when that happens. So that's one thing. And then the other thing is open communication at this time of year is so very, very important. You, If, if you are not sure whether or not you should be having a one-on-one conversation with a player, you need to have that conversation. I mean, you can't dawdle. You can't. Uh, you can't hesitate with that. You don't want to sit back in in March or April and go, "I should have talked to Billy about this, that, or the other thing." Uh, it, 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 you know, you need to you need to make sure that everybody is on the same page. Now, that doesn't mean you have to sit down, have a big organized meeting with every single player, or a big team meeting, or anything like that. Just walk around before practice and say, "Hey." You know, hey Tony, how are we feeling, man? How are we doing? Is everything good? Uh, are you on the same page? Or are we good? Do you understand your role? Do you have anything for me? Is there anything you want to talk about? You know, just just things like that can really help in making sure that everybody's on the same page, that the lines of communication stay open. Again, you, sometimes uh, we as coaches get so myopic, worrying about you know Cedar Rapids Jefferson. If you're at Cedar Rapids Kennedy, that we uh, can forget about. You know, selling it to our own kids, making sure that everybody's on the same page, and like I said, taking care of our own team and making sure that everybody's rowing the boat in the same direction. PJ Fleck. Yes, PJ and the row the boat guy. Yeah. Um, 
yeah, it's, it is important. You know, I, I we were talking earlier, obviously, before we started and kind of talking about what's going on with our teams this week. And I think I shared with you, you know, we had a young man uh, has a partially torn labrum in his hip. His season's over. Uh, we have another one with a starter uh, that had a sprained foot, didn't play all week. And so, you know, these guys making sure that they're good and they still have a role. You know, we, we practiced on Saturday and my assistant coach, uh, he was in the Dells with a, a youth team that he was coaching. So we were split up in a, in a drill and I had the kid with the torn labrum, had him take the top 10, 12 guys. And he was kind of watching them. And I took, uh, you know, my other group on the other end and I was working with them um, and just trying to still keep him and let him know he's very, still a very valuable part of the team. But yeah, those, those check-ins, those five minute check-ins, those, those two, three minute check-ins, those those mean a lot this time of the year uh, because this time of the year it's about making sure that they feel valued that they feel you know good about themselves and that they keep their poise and composure because you know a, a, a brief lapse of poise and composure can end your season. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. A pen and a napkin university videos are just another way that a pen and a napkin can help you become a better coach. Our university video library is constantly expanding with topics ranging from interviewing for a job to full court defense to 25 universal truths about coaching. Our university videos will help you round out your skill set as a coach and help you hone your craft. Videos are $10 a piece with bundling options available. To order, you can DM me on Twitter, send me an email at a pen and a napkin at gmail.com or order from our website, a pen and a napkin.com. Be sure to check out the A Pen and a Napkin video library. Well, Tony, you know who is always composed, has open communication, and is ready for any scenario that may come their way, whether it's early season, mid-season, or prepping for the stretch run? The greatest rock band of all time, Europe. I don't know if I'd go with that they're the greatest rock band of all time, Tony. I mean... Top two or three. Well, you, you remember Wham, don't you? <laughs> Wake me up before you go-go. Don't leave me hanging on like a yo-yo. <laughs> <laughs> and, 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 of course, Dexy's Midnight Runners. I mean, you know. Uh, all right, Tony, it is your turn for trivia. You have a question for me that I am prepared to blow here, so uh, let me let me get this screwed up as soon as I can. All right, so yesterday, Duke and North Carolina men played. My, my cousin was Jim the, was at that game. Was that? My cousin Jim was at that game. Really? Yeah, yeah. It was the 49th time they, when they played, they've both been ranked in the top 10. Can you tell me? The second most times that two teams have played while ranked in the top ten. Ooh. Hmm. 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 That's a good one. That is a good one. I gotta one. give my son credit for this one. He, okay. he shared this with me last weekend. Okay. Let me think a little bit here. Give me just a moment. Um I'm going to say. Kentucky against Indiana. 
No, I need a number. So 49 is the top. Oh, 49. I thought you were asking yep. for the schools. Yep. So I, oh. I want to know because Duke, North Carolina are number one at okay. 49 oh, times. Oh, okay. Okay. So what's the second most number of times that two teams have played each other no, while ranked in the top 10? I, I worded it poorly. Yeah, that's okay. I, I thought you were asking for the schools. Um, because I thought you know Kentucky and Indiana used to play each other non-conference every year, mm-hmm. so that's why I was thinking there. So, um, I'm just going to start out splitting it in half. I'm going to say 24. Incorrect. Too high, too low. You are too high. I'm going to split that in half. 12. Incorrect. Too low. You are too low. I'm going to split that in half and say 16. Ooh, close. It's 14. Mm. It's 14. Yeah. And the crazy thing is North Carolina is a half of that. Is it, uh, it's Duke, North Carolina. It's North Carolina, North Carolina State at 14. Gotcha. Gotcha. Duke and North Carolina, North Carolina, North Carolina State. That makes sense. That makes sense. I thought about North Carolina, North Carolina State. Uh, you know Norm Sloan. They were really loaded in the in the '70s. David Thompson yep. in that group, and and Jimmy V with Sidney Lowe and yep. Eric Wittenberg. And yep, yeah, that crew. Yeah, wow, fourteen times. That is crazy. Wow. Yeah, it's uh, quite the gap. Yeah, <laughs> it's quite the gap. <laughs> you kind of sounded like Ron Burgundy there. It's quite the gap. I'm going to be honest. Do my best. <laughs> yes. Uh, no, my cousin Jim was at the game. He's a North Carolina alum. He's he's uh, okay. he's he's all in. Uh, he's all in. So uh, he was at the game. He was sending me pictures of the celebration outside uh, afterwards and everything. So uh, one of the players came out to the celebration outside. The transfer from Notre Dame. Uh huh. Yeah. So they were out. He was out with the fans, taking pictures with them and everything. Um, but yeah, it seemed like a great environment. I think they do it again here in a few short weeks. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They uh, they always wrap up uh, last regular season game, so it'll be at Duke, obviously, because they played at North yep. Carolina to, to start here. So uh, good stuff. College basketball in in full swing here. Uh, Tony, we 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 got uh, we got some things here. We we got some stuff. Uh, do you, what do you want to talk? Men's college basketball. Yeah, what? since we're kind of in that swing right now with the okay. trivia. Um, so. Two coaches, two fairly mild manner coaches, especially Scott Drew. Uh, both of them ejected. Now Chris Collins got ejected. Uh, I can understand why he got ejected with a thirty-eight free throw differential, uh, losing yeah. in overtime on the road to Purdue. Uh, but uh, you know, now's the time of year where officials are tired of coaches. Uh, we're we're taping this on Sunday night. I was watching the Nebraska Illinois game. Before this, and and Bruce Underwood got a T like four minutes into the game on really kind of a no call. Uh, it was it was a good no call, I thought, by the official. But uh, this is a time of the year we usually see technical fouls on the uptick, isn't it, Tony? Yeah, I mean they're they're tired of of listening to it. You know, I, I didn't think uh, what Coach Drew got last night uh, with Baylor. He was outside the coach's box, and I had heard that the Big Twelve had kind of put out a memo out there about making sure there was more of an emphasis on keeping coaches in the coaching box. But, you know, a warning, uh, you know, might have might have sufficed because Coach Drew doesn't swear at him or anything like that. Yeah. Um, and to, to run him is, is just a, I don't know, that, that's, that's not, not a good look for that crew and the 
Baylor AD came out and, you know, said, hey, we got the best basketball league in the country. The officiating should be top notch as well. well, It was not tonight. Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, these guys are are running around. They're flying around. We we talk about wear and tear on on players and things like that and the travel schedule. But we got these we got these officials and I understand why they're doing it. I mean, if I was getting paid fifteen hundred bucks to work a couple hours a night, I would do it too, you know? You don't <laughs> No I, I do not. Uh, okay. darn it. Uh I, I, I don't quite haven't hit that tax bracket yet. So uh just uh uh, but I do have some beachfront property in Alaska. I'd like to sell you, buddy. So let's talk after we get done with this. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I got I got a flyer for you. Thank you. Yeah. Timeshare. <laughs> Twenty six weeks a year. That's all yours. Thank you. Uh, we're idiots. Uh, Kayla Clark, sixty six points away from breaking. Um, Kelsey Plum's record. Tony, I have tickets to see. Uh, we got tickets like two months ago uh, to see Iowa to play uh, Nebraska next Sunday. Uh, we may be seeing her making history in Pinnacle Bank Arena, depending on you know what she does on on Thursday night, and then obviously what she does against Nebraska as well. Uh, but uh, I, I'm really excited to see. Uh, Iowa play. Uh, it, it's going to be crazy. They've already sold out the game like they have in many other places around the country. Um, and and last night they played against Maryland. Uh, she kind of took them and, and snatched uh, victory out of the jaws of defeat. Had 38 in a really, really tough road environment. And, uh, you know, I know we talk about her a lot, but she's now approaching this record that, uh, for all intents and purposes, she's going to put this Kind of, it, it might be a, a Cal Ripken, um, Nolan Ryan type of, that's a record that's just never going to be broken uh, type of a deal. I don't know on that one. And the reason why I say that is that Juju Watkins that plays for USC had yeah. 51 the other day and she's a freshman. Yeah. Yeah, um, so we true. may see the torch being passed to her and be being broke in, you know, a handful of short years later. But yeah, what she's doing is phenomenal. And, you know, the thing with her too, I mean, it's like the Pied Piper when she's out there, just people flock in. I mean, they're selling out places that, haven't sold out before and it's it's crazy it's she's she's like a rock star if you will um and you know last night she had 12 assists which i think was her season high for assists along with those 38 points and there's very little doubt in my mind that you're going to be at the game that she's going to break that out i mean 66 points for her uh in two games you know she's averaging 32 33 a game so there's very little doubt in my mind that you're going to see that i yeah, I mean, it, it's going to be close. It, mm-hmm. it, at the very least, it, it should be really, really close. So, um, yeah, it, it should be fun. Excited excited to see it. So, Coaches are absolutely loving our taking over a new program booklet. As many of you know, I spent two years outside of coaching. And during that time, I hung a note card in my workspace at school that said, Strip the house down to the studs. I took that time to really rethink and reorganize my thoughts on what it takes to run a transformational program. As I prepared for the possibility of coaching again, I organized these thoughts into this 96-page booklet. How much do I trust this booklet? I used this booklet as I went on interviews to help sell myself 
and my vision for what my new program would look like. If I'm using it to sell myself, why wouldn't I recommend it to you, my listeners? This booklet will help you look at any part of your program, no matter what stage you're at in your program, and help improve it in some way. It's all yours for only $15, which includes shipping and handling. For more information, email me at a pen and a napkin at gmail.com. What else we got here? LSU losing two games in a row. Um, for right now, the great chemistry experiment is not really working out as well as Kim Mulkey would want it to. It just it just doesn't seem like that they're on the same page. Uh, you know, it, it just seems like something is off, and whatever that thing is, that's what it is. Yeah, you know, when when you there's only so many mouths you can feed. There's just one ball. And when you have, you know, Haley Van Lith was, was a really nice pickup for him. The Moro girl from DePaul was a really nice pickup for him. But when you have Angel Reese and you have uh, Johnson, the Johnson girl that's there as well already, uh, there's only one ball. And it, it's hard. You know, and I, I know a lot of people last summer, you know, oh, look at LSU. They're going to be a super team. And I was, I was on that boat. So by a lot of people, I'm including Tony Viss on that one as well. And I was kind of wondering why didn't Iowa do anything to to combat that and add? And you look at Iowa, pretty good chemistry. LSU, yep. not so much. But I will say this. When LSU went into the tournament last year, I would definitely not have said they were the favorite to win the whole thing. And Correct. yet they did. Yeah. Um, and so we'll see if they can kind of catch lightning in a bottle again. Yeah. And, and, there, and there's still a ways to go. And a lot of times you can take, you know, you can – hopefully take that stuff and kind of set it aside but you know don meyer used to say you know you is who you is and uh you know nobody's weeping for it's it's not like lsu is having this terrible season they're 19 and 4 uh it's it's not like they're 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 atrocious but it's i i think it's just probably not what they imagined and and everybody you know a lot of times people talk about sacrificing until they're the ones that have to sacrifice you know, yep. and and then that becomes uh, a little bit more difficult. Now they just kicked the heck out of uh, Florida today. Florida. Yeah, they yeah. beat them by forty here. Uh, so obviously they, um, you know, they played really well today and probably took out some of that frustration of the Mississippi State game. Uh, and, and and I think perhaps uh, the loss to South Carolina carried into the Mississippi State game as well. Um, and and Mississippi State kind of caught lightning in a bottle. I watched. Uh, most of the fourth quarter of that, most of the second half of that game. And, uh, you know, Mississippi State played really, really well, shot it really well, hit some shots that, you know, they hadn't been hitting. And, and uh, you know, but, uh, you know, you just got to keep, uh, you just got to keep chipping away at it. And uh, so uh, we'll, we'll see how they do. They got another month left to go in the regular season. Uh, Mulkey's one of the best that's ever done it. So we'll, we'll see if they can figure some of this stuff out. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, and you know, like you said, she's one of the best to ever do it. And you know, if there's a coach out there that can figure it out, it's probably her. Uh, but at the same time, you know, uh, kind of like what you said with Coach Meyer, you are what you are. Yeah. Well, speaking of coaches, Tony, let's shift gears. Let's go a little NBA action here. Uh, Doc Rivers, uh, fully ingrained here um, as the head coach of the Bucks. He is going to be the All Star head coach. <laughs> After winning one game, <laughs> you know, yeah, it works out pretty well. Um, you know, what do you think, Tony? Uh, I, I don't think the last time that we had talked, I don't think he had been named the coach yet. Um, I, I know Adrian Griffin had been fired, uh, 
but I don't think Doc had been named the head coach. I really like Doc as head coach. Uh, his the criticism is fully warranted against him uh, for you know losing game sevens and losing three one leads. I mean, I'm I'm not absolving him of of any sins in any way, shape, or form. But I still think he's a really really good basketball coach, um, and I think he's a good fit for this team at this time. I, I, I think he was the best of any option that they could have had to try and get this team over the hump. I think Doc's a good leader of men. Um, you know, and like you said, with blowing the three ones, three one lead in game seven, the, the criticism is justified and there's a lot of evidence there. Um, but he, I agree with you. He was the best they could get because I don't think Adrian Griffin had the respect of like a Dame Lillard and some of the veterans in that locker room. And Doc's going to come in. He's going to be able to show him his world championship ring from when he coached the Celtics and, you know, having been there multiple times with the Celtics and he's going to, he's going to grab a hold of that locker room. And the other thing that he's got to do is he's got to fix Milwaukee's defense. I don't think there's anything really wrong with their offense, but it's their defense. But one thing that was a criticism right away when they went out to, I believe it was Portland, he had Dame inbound the ball to Giannis and they fouled Giannis and he missed the free throw. Um, Mm -hmm. Why wouldn't you do that the other way around? Why would you not have Giannis inbound to Dame? Because Portland was going to foul and wouldn't you want the better free throw shooter with the ball but it's really easy for me to say that sitting here on the comfort of my couch yeah exactly um it's it's you know I'm sure he's trying to catch up on on everything you know Tony we've been there done that where you you make those uh simple mistakes if you had it to do over again we'd do it like this you do it like that and um, I'm sure Doc's going to take that, learn from it, and, and make it better. Um, again, not absolving him. He probably should know better at this point. He's been in the NBA for, for 20-some years. Get it to the guy that's shooting 90% from the free throw line uh, for his career, essentially. So uh, agree with you there. Um, how about LeBron and the texting machine? Uh, the, 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 twi- the tweet, the Twitter, the, twi- the, the X, what, whatever we're calling it here. Um, putting out the hourglass. Um, does LeBron get enough shade for being perhaps one of the most passive aggressive, uh, kind of at times LeBron gets a little whiny when he doesn't get his way, Tony. Um, you know, I, 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 I dare I say that, that, uh, you know, this is, these are the guys that, that you, that you rode with and were really successful with last year, um, and when things aren't working, um, you know, it's, it's always, well, we got to trade a bunch of these guys and get rid of them. And I don't care about anything else. Just get me help now. Um, LeBron, the GM, has not been the best uh, assessors of talent, I would say. No, I, the, the GM LeBron is, is definitely not the, in the Hall of Fame like the player LeBron is. Yeah. Um, but I think he's doing it for a couple different reasons. Obviously, like you mentioned, he wants better players around him. Um, but they, they knocked off the Knicks last night who had won nine in a row. Um, and so, I mean, that's got to give you a little bit of hope. Uh, you know, you, you take a look there. They've got some guys who are starting to raise their game and play better around him. It's not the easiest guy to play around at times. Yep. Um, and the other thing I think it's, he's trying to do too is, you know, hey, I want to play with Bronny. And so I think there's there's some of that in that in that 
I would say probably subconsciously as well. But he wants better talent around him, wants him to make some moves, doesn't care about the Lakers' future, mm-hmm. wants to win now because he's obviously not a you know a spring chicken. Mm-hmm. I think also to send out a message, hey, I can leave and go elsewhere because I want to play with Bronny. Yeah. And, you know, he, he is not uh, committed to signing his player option for next year. And, and it's obviously it's not a financial decision for him. Wherever he would go, he would make, you know, $45 million or whatever it would be. Uh, so, uh, yeah, I, I, I just don't, you know, that, that's the one uh, that's the one thing that, that has always bothered me about LeBron is – uh, he, he just kind of does this stuff every once in a while, and 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 just you know, um, if you're if you're gonna do it, just just do it then, I guess you know, uh, just say it, just do it. Um, again, that's just my two cents worth. Uh, LeBron knows more. I mean, he's he's you know he's he is who he is. He's the second greatest player of all time. Uh, he's had yes. probably the, he's probably had the best career of all time. Um, yep, you know. And so he he does deserve some some leeway. And if this were the first time that he would have done something like this, um, you know, then then you kind of excuse it or you say, okay, what's really going on internally? But it seems like this is this this is happening more almost and a more. Yearly thing. Almost a yearly thing where there's just some sort of passive aggressive shot across the bow, and mm-hmm. um, you know, just you know, I guess. In, in that vein, I would just like to see him just come out and say what he's really thinking, you know, and yep. and, and, and that's that's my that's my stance on it. Here, so you never saw Mike do that. Mike won with who Mike had. Yeah, yeah, and any of the the stuff uh, that came out was rumor, innuendo. Now there was a lot of smoke, and and obviously we knew like with Jerry Krause, uh, there was there was fire there, uh, mm-hmm. you know, but but it was never. It was never public. It was it was never like that, and and so uh, that's again that's just that's just me, you know, talking there. So uh, let's wrap up here, Tony. Let's talk about like you said, the New York Knickerbockers, uh, winners of nine in a row before the aforementioned Lakers, um, who has just won two in a row, including beating the Celtics in Boston without LeBron, without LeBron or AD, AD playing. Um, but the Knicks have been on fire. Uh, OG Ananobi. Uh, has been a a uh, great acquisition for them. Uh, they've they they've moved up to where they are. Uh, they are a threat to move up with with Joel Embiid's and Tony. I forgot to put that on the list. Joel Embiid, uh, his his injury here looks like he's going to go under the knife and uh, looks like he's going to miss some time here. Is is what uh, seems to be the decision. So uh, this is kind of opening up a little bit for the Knicks, where they are only a game and a half out of second place, and and they they are uh, they are on a run right now, and and this roster. Is is really starting to make some sense here with uh, Jalen Brunson, who's all star, Julius Randle, all star now hurt right now, uh, but uh, you know Ananobi, uh, they've got a couple of big guys that crash the boards hard. Uh, they've got the the Villanova guys with uh, Divincenzo and Hart as as really nice role players. This is this is just a team that's really starting to take shape and and really starting to make some sense. I got to give Tibbs credit because when they traded for. Ananobi, I thought it was, a, it was a decent move, but I'll be honest with you, I thought they gave up a lot with R.J. Barrett and Emmanuel quickly. And I mm-hmm. think those guys going to 
uh, Toronto, uh, you're going to see quickly get starters minutes. RJ Barrett's obviously Canadian. He'll be back in his home country. And I thought that the Raptors might have won that deal. Mm-hmm. I, but after looking at the way Ananobius fit in there and just been a really good piece, and like you mentioned, this win streak, a big part of it has been without um, Julius Randle. Mm-hmm. And so it's a deal with the Knicks where you will see them climb up. There's no doubt in my mind on that. Um, you know, Embiid being out for a while, I think they're going to jump the Sixers. And I would say, in all honesty, outside of the Celtics, I would, I don't know if I'd want to see the Knicks if I was anybody else. No, you, they're going to play hard. Uh, they've got a they've got a closer in Brunson. Uh, you know, you would you would never say that he's a superstar per se. Like you you would always think, how many other guys would you think of as a superstar before Jalen Brunson? You would think of a lot of guys before Jalen Brunson, right? Especially if you're Becky Hammond. <laughs> but. But, uh, but he is playing at a superstar level. I mean, he is—he has just been rock solid. Uh, he's averaging 20, 27 a game right now. I mean, uh, twenty-seven a game, six and a half assists, shooting almost fifty percent from the field. Uh, you know, he is—he has just been a tremendous, tremendous player. It's—it's uh, it's a it has got a New York type of feel to it the team uh is taking on the personality of the city so to speak kind of like the old uh grit and grind uh uh memphis teams and uh yeah this team if if they get healthy and they continue to gel this is not a team that i would want to play as as you head down the home stretch and the other thing you want to keep an eye out on too is I don't know if they're done making moves. They have a lot of trade assets, like with number one picks and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. I don't know. You know, I don't. I wouldn't count them out in the whole uh, move thing. And if they they make that roster even better, now all of a sudden, if you're Boston, you might have to sit up and pay even closer attention. Yeah, they may become your your biggest threat in the East. Yep. Yep. So, um, jo- uh, real quick, Tony Joel Embiid uh, looks like he's going to be out. Um, for stretch time here uh he's gonna go uh let's see here gonna undergo procedure to address meniscus injury um the door isn't closed on a return this season he is expected to miss an extended period uh but a pr- more precise timeline isn't expected until doctors complete the procedure um i mean he's averaging 35 a game uh, he would join Wilt Chamberlain as the only player in NBA history to average 35, 10, and 5 in a season. Uh, just playing absolutely awesome. And, you know, just just sucks. Uh, just sucks for the game because uh, it, it stinks for him because uh, he is just playing so well right now and uh, possibly be the MVP of the league if it wasn't for this injury. Yeah, with him back-to-back MVP, and he just somewhat recently had a 70-point game. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, the Sixers are 26-8 and eight with Embiid on the floor this year. Um, I'm going to do some simple math here. They are 4-10 and 10 without him on the floor. Huh. So as a history teacher, uh, even I can figure that math out. Uh, they are better with Joel Embiid on the floor than not having him on the team or playing at that night. So uh, like you said, it looks like the Knicks have a great chance of overtaking them. Um, and Milwaukee's got a, they've been saying that Milwaukee's had a pretty easy schedule so far. Um, so yeah, the the Knicks could very well move up to that two spot uh, behind Boston. Might be a little bit of a stretch to catch them for the one seed, uh, but uh, yeah, you could see the Knicks as a two seed in the in the East, and 
oh, that could get really, really interesting really, really quick. Yeah, that New York-Boston rivalry could get red hot. You know, obviously they have that, uh, you know, as far as in other sports as well. But that's uh, two cities that don't really care for one another very much. Well, and what I'm really happy about for, for both cities is nobody ever really pays attention to them when it comes to their sports franchises. So it'll be nice to see them get the spotlight for once. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Speaking of the spotlight, Tony, uh, let's wrap up here. How do you bring the spotlight on your team? How do you get your team ready for the stretch run? Uh, let's just wrap up on that note. Uh, any parting words on on prepping your team for the stretch run and stuff you should be doing? You know, one of the things that we talk about with pressure is pressure just means that you have expectations. And, you know, pressure can melt you or pressure can make diamonds. And so it's just one of those things where – have those talks with your guys and gals as you get to this time of the year about, hey, it just means something's expected of you, but we still got to go out and do what we've done the previous, you know, 20-some games that we played this season. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, we're not looking to reinvent the wheel. We just want to do a few things a little bit better so we can keep moving on in the postseason and, uh, you know, keep dancing. Yep, yep, and and this is these are the things that you can control. Once that ball goes up, there's not a, you know, you, you have a little bit of control, but not a whole lot of control when that ball goes up. So uh, do what you can in your practices, your off-the-court activities, that type of thing to put your team in the best possible situation that you can here. So uh, episode 73, that's it for Tony and I. Uh, Tony, good luck this week, buddy. Uh, keep, you too. Keep the train rolling here, and, and, and we'll try to do the same on our end. And and uh, hopefully this will be the only, uh, you know, last week was a little of an aberration where we weren't able to get on here. So Hopefully next week we'll be back on and, and we'll be ready to roll. So, uh, coaches, hope you've enjoyed this episode. If you have any questions for Tony and I, you know how to find us. Uh, reach out to us. Let us know. So, as always, coaches, let's be sure to hone our craft one day at a time.